The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is taken from the book, the book, the book of St. Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 through 40, and can be found on page 1591 in the Pew Bible. Luke 2.22 through 40. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but she worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew 
and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Throughout the ages, and at least as long as I've been alive, I've noticed that people love to talk about or, or say, just wait. Just wait until the truth comes out. They say, when the truth finally comes out, all errors and lies and wicked deceits will finally be put to rest. When the truth comes out, the poor victim will finally be vindicated or I'll be vindicated. When the truth comes out, all will be made right once again, just like it once was. Yeah, well, I don't think that's true. I'm not buying it. I don't think that the noble cry for truth is sincere. You see, I pay attention, I'm sure you do too, to who is usually crying the loudest for truth. And what I see is politicians and lawyers and perpetual victims. The commonality is, is that they don't want the truth. They just want their version of the truth. In reality, these are the last folks that want the real truth to be brought to light. After all, real, objective truth has a way of revealing, laying bare the real intentions of the hearts and minds of men. Nobody wants that. I mean, really, be honest. I don't. Would you really want to know what's in a person's heart? You may think you do, but ignorance is bliss. And if that is true, I'm the happiest man that's walked the face of this earth because the truth of what's in my heart or in your heart laid bare for all to see and know wouldn't be a pleasant sight. We may talk a good game and we may boast that 
We don't care if people see what's in our heart. We have nothing to hide. We may boldly cry for the truth to come out and be made known. But the truth of the matter is that we often prefer that the truth remain right next to our skeletons behind the closet doors. The reason that I lead with this is because Simeon makes a point of prophesying specifically to the truth that is Jesus Christ. He says, Behold, This child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed so that the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Think about what he's just said there. For all of Israel, Jesus' own people will either fall or rise because of him. There will be no middle ground. There will be no gray area. They will either rise or they will fall. Period. Either way, they will believe or they will reject. And as we well know, many do reject Jesus, the Christ. They hear the truth, they even see the truth, and they refuse to hear. They refuse to see. And there were all those years that they were crying out for the Messiah. They would say, you wait and see until the Messiah gets here. You wait until the truth comes out. And what do they do? When the truth is right in front of their face? The truth as in the way, the truth, and the light? Right in front of their face. What do they do? They crucify him. His truth didn't match the truth that they expected, that they wanted, that they demanded. The truth of Christ, it exposed, it laid bare their sinful desires. It's what truth does. Their sinful hearts were exposed. Now, it's easy to recognize how Simeon's prophecy was fulfilled in those people of Israel, But what about now? I guess it's not difficult to recognize the truth of Simeon's prophecy in today's world, is it? Christ is still so very, very divisive because of Jesus Because of Jesus, either we rise in a new life of faith or we fall in the death of unbelief. That's it. 
Either we come to him as Savior, or we will go to him as judge. There's no middle ground. The cross of Christ is still a sign that is opposed. It's vehemently opposed in some cases. The thoughts of the heart are revealed in this cruciform, in this cross light. When we say Christ and him crucified, that reveals your heart, my heart. And I know it's very easy to recognize this truth when it comes to loud and proud opposition. There are many people who proudly make their opposition to Christ and to his church public knowledge. They want everyone to know that they don't believe in Skyman or a storybook. But you know what? That is not the issue here. What is the issue is, is us. Those who stand in proud public opposition to Christ, at least, at least they're honest. They're honest about their opposition and their hatred of Christ. And I can, I can respect that more accurately. I can acknowledge that, but I don't condone it. It doesn't end well for them. But I have to acknowledge it, and in a way I have to respect it for them being truthful. Their dark hearts match their dark words. There's a certain sense of integrity, even though it's wicked. But what about those who profess their love for Christ? Can Christians stand in opposition to Christ? Uh, yeah. You've got to remember that the Jews love God, and yet they clearly stood in opposition to Christ. God in the flesh. They were opposed to him. Are we any different? Are we any better? Let's consider a simple fact that to sin is to oppose God. It is to oppose He and His righteousness. And that's just the bare bones truth. To be a sinner is to be in opposition to God. To sin is to oppose God. It's cut and dried. Now we could go into a whole litany of many and various ways that we sinfully stand in opposition to Christ, but for brevity's sake, I'm sure you're glad to hear that. For brevity's sake, I'll just direct you to God's holy ten commandments. Examine yourself 
in the light of this truth. I will too. No excuses. No self-justifications or pleas of, to technicalities or special circumstances. One simple example was and is this. Christ was here on Christmas Day along with the whole company of heaven. He's here every Sunday with us. He's divinely serving his word, his body and his blood for the forgiveness of sin, for the peace that surpasses all human understanding. The truth came out. Did you? If not, what was more important than Jesus? You could ask that on any Sunday. Repent or rebel. That's the bare bones truth. It's true of the third commandment. It's true of all of the commandments. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But there's more to that verse, isn't there? All have sinned and fallen short, but all are redeemed in the blood of Christ. All have been justified and declared innocent in his all-redeeming death and resurrection. My family in Christ, my fellow Sinners, this is the truth. The cold heart, hard, blessed, Christ-centered truth. Right up there the, on the cross is the truth of your sin and my sin. Right up there on the cross is the truth of God's righteousness Right up there on the cross is the truth of God's righteous wrath against your sin and against my sin. This is the very sign of the opposition, the enmity that exists between God and the children of Adam who are all sinful by nature. Here, at the same time, is the sign and proof of God's love for you. Here's the truth of God's incomprehensible love for you. Here is God's undeserved grace and mercy for you on full display for all the world to behold on that cross. He was pinned there for you and for me. And look at the font. And look at the altar. People say, I need to see Jesus. Well, here's Jesus. And the word in the water. I need to see Jesus. Here's Jesus in the wine and the bread. Here is Christ with us. Here are God's gifts of grace freely given to you. His gifts of mercy and peace for you. Fully, freely held out to you and on full display for all the world to behold and to hold fast to. And many 
oppose Christ in these sacraments. Many will say they are just symbols. Even God-fearing Christians who still cling to the lie of works and righteousness. There are even some good God-fearing Lutherans who do the same. Repent or rebel. The truth is what it is. And this is precisely why I point to you, why I proclaim to you Christ and Him crucified for God's grace and mercy. I point you to the truth of God's peace and love. I point you to the truth of our rebellious and self-centered, self-serving sin, what it is. And you know, we can try to justify and excuse it all we want, but our excuses won't change the truth. All that sin has already been paid for by Christ. It's been paid in full with his flesh and his blood. Your impossible debt, my impossible debt, has been paid in full by him. The wage of your sin, of my sin, has been paid in full by his death. His victory, his victory over sin and death and the devil has been credited to you. His victory is your victory by virtue of your baptism into him. His victory is your victory by his all-redeeming death and his resurrection. And this gospel truth truly changes a man. This gospel truth produces joy and peace that truly does surpass understanding. My beloved family in Christ, here is your Savior. He's right here. Right where he tells you to seek him. Right where he promises to be. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life for you. May this truth of Christ and him crucified, may it take root in your heart and spring up to bear the fruits that only this tree of life can produce. May this Christ and him crucified truth guard and keep your hearts and your minds in him. May 
this revealed truth of God's great love for you give you peace and joy. And may this Christ-centered, cross-centered peace, joy, and love be witnessed in all that you say, that all that you think, and in all that you do, to the glory and the praise of God alone. In the name of Jesus, amen.